the world leader in Internet talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to the business show that will change the way you look at your business practice, your organization, and yourself. This is Let's Get Radical with Liz Gold and Jody Paydar. On today's show, you'll get the straight scoop on what it means to be radical and how it can help you become the next success story. Now, here are your hosts, Jody and Liz. Welcome back. I'm Jody Paydar, and I'm here with Liz Gold, and we are live in Las Vegas at the AICPA Engage event, and it's pretty cool to be live, isn't it's it, Liz? It's totally cool. I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah, it, yeah, it's just fun. So um, we have a guest with us, Jen Wilson, and I'm going to have her introduce herself, but first I want to ask, what did you do in Vegas last night? I went to a dinner with the AICPA. And was it a good dinner? It was an awesome dinner, and it was fun because I got to catch up with Tons of old and new friends. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, it was great. I had a good time. And what have you been doing here so far today? I know you're speaking later, but what, what have you seen? What have you done so far? Well, um, I went to, uh, I, I missed the keynote this morning because I worked in my room. I had phone calls. Um, and I ran first, though. Real early in the morning, I ran with, uh, with a member of um, the conference, which was fun. And we ran about four miles outside which is always good to get out of a casino. Yes. And, uh, and then I went to an AIM luncheon and a session, and now I'm here. So there's lots of value here, right? Oh, my to be gosh. Here. Yeah, I mean, I, the biggest value, of course, always is reconnecting with friends and colleagues and, you know, just catching up on the networking side. But there's also wonderful content, so um, I've been enjoying that, too. I've loved the keynotes. Absolutely loved them. I've been tweeting them like crazy. Awesome. So, Jen, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do and um, what your role is? Sure. Um, I'm co-founder and partner of a company called Convergence Coaching. We're a leadership and management consulting firm, and we work exclusively with CPA firms. And really what I do is I work to transform individuals into better, um, more inspiring leaders, really, and and how to better run an organization and just uh, draw people in and cause people to really feel ownership in their organization. And I think CPAs need that sometimes, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, we all need it. I, I, um, every time I'm talking about leadership or management, I myself am seeing the things I could do to get better. So for sure, everybody could use it. So you're speaking um, today, later today, and you're speaking, I, one of the, uh, the title, I think, is Retiring with Grace. And I thought that was a beautiful t- title. Can you tell us a little bit about that session? Sure. Um, you know, it's all about the psychology of letting go. And, um, you know, retirement is tough, super tough. And it's the process of kind of an ending of a career, almost a death of a career. And, um, and so that session is all about how to, like, mentally prepare for it. And then also um, how to have empathy and compassion if you're not the one who's transitioning. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of people who don't put themselves in the position of the person who's having to let go. And so that's what that session's about. Yeah, so this topic is really near and dear to me because I went through succession in my own firm and my dad actually retired this year officially for the last time. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and it's been an interesting journey. So I love that you're kind of giving the story because I, th- I think, you know, people always talk about the how-to, but they don't actually address the emotional part, which I think is actually harder than the how-to sometimes. Well, actually, I mean, like everything in leadership and management, every single thing is either, you know, you've got both behavior and you have mechanics. And so the mechanics of transition, so I went, who do I tell when, you know, who's going to take over these accounts, who's going to do what, what's the buy-sell, those are mechanical. 
um, they're always the easier part. Mm. And, and you can have the best mechanics in the whole world, but if the behavior and the mindset's not there, the mechanics are not going to go well. And so a lot of people don't pay attention to that behavior piece. So is there a way to find out when somebody's ready to retire? Is, you know, how, do you, how do you figure that out? Well, I, that's an interesting question. Um, first of all, you know, mandatory retirement dates are helpful. And so, right. you know, yeah. so for firms that, that uh, institute mandatory retirement dates and the gold standard uh, right now in the profession is 65, um, for those that have those in their operating agreement, that, that's a good clue that we're going to be thinking about transition. Um, sometimes those are mandatory sellback dates. And so it just means I'm going to transition my equity, but not necessarily quit working. And so um, the whole idea, the word retirement means to cease working. Mm. And not everybody who is beginning transition is going to cease working like your dad didn't, right? And, um, and so, um, you know, how do you know? I mean, if I am a retiree and I don't have a mandatory date, um, I really need to feel like I'm still keeping up. You know, if I feel like I can't keep up with the standards, I can't keep up with the technology, those are good signals. Um, sometimes I hear retirees will tell me, you know, the big signal I got was that I would go out to prospects or I would meet with clients and I would notice that I was the oldest person in the room mm. and that they weren't gravitating toward me. They were gravitating toward other people in my organization that were um, more up and coming. And I just started to feel a little third wheelie and it struck me that I need to mm-hmm. go. Sometimes there are health issues. Sometimes it's just time to travel and spend time with family. You know, I mean, there are a lot of different things that sort of beckon people to, to begin the, uh, the change. And do you think a lot of CPAs um, know that it's time to retire? Or do you think that there are a lot of difficult conversations that have to happen because people aren't retiring or they aren't even um, stepping aside and letting some of the power start to change? Because at the end of the day, um, it's really about power and control. Yeah. So, you know, for sure, there are a ton of difficult conversations that are happening or need to happen. And Um, You know, to me, like if you said, what's the biggest risk of all of this? You know, in this discussion, what's the biggest risk? There are a number of them, but one of them is the risk that established leaders, and that's what I'll call the, you know, the kind of traditional uh, founders and, uh, you know, current leaders inside firms, that those guys will not relinquish control Mm -hmm. um, and the ability to shape the future of the firm fast enough. Mm -hmm. And as a result, they'll create tremendous frustration and their best and brightest will leave. And that's always my biggest concern. And so you don't have to retire to begin relinquishing that. And in fact, we can't wait till you retire. That's kind of a big misnomer. A lot of these guys are like, well, you know, they can change that when I'm gone. No, we need to change that now. And you need to start giving the next gen a voice today. And, uh, and so, you know, Jody and, and Liz, there are a lot of challenging conversations. It's a lot of the work that I do is getting people to begin letting go even way before retirement. So is that one of your roles? Do you sometimes come in and help facilitate those conversations if like a firm is having a hard time making or working with their partners? Is that in your wheelhouse? Yeah, it is uh, for sure. Partner relationship, partner conversations, partner unity and alignment. Um, And the alignment is mostly around where are we taking this thing? Um, Sometimes we do vision planning, five-year vision planning, and, and we try to shape who's involved and make sure we have plenty of next gen leaders involved. Um, in those vision discussions. But one of the things we have to do sometimes when there's strife and there's, um, you know, like a disconnect or, or struggle in that conversation about do we do this or do we do that? Um, you know, I'll try something radical, which, you know, you guys could appreciate. And I'll say everybody who's retiring in five years, um, you know, or less off to the left, everybody else off to the right. 
and I'll literally make them stand up and, and go to their respective walls. And then I'll say, when we can't decide, it's going to be the guys off to the right who are going to be here five years from now or longer. They get to pick because they really are impacted by this decision and the rest of you will be gone. And, you know, a lot of times that's very hard for the guys that are going to be gone to really face, but it's practical and Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost uncool for them to demand their way when they're not going to be here to kind of suffer the consequences of that. How can a firm be supportive of somebody who is retiring? What are some ways they can really, you know, have empathy, have compassion for, you know, for leaving a job that a career? Yeah. Well, the first thing is just to try to put yourself in the person's shoes. Yeah. You know, and, and picture when you're done. And the younger you are, it's really interesting. We go around the table. We have everybody declare their mandatory, you know, their intended retirement date, even if mandatory retirement's in place. And younger people will be like, I'm out of here at 55. You know, I'm out of here at 58. I'm out of here at 60. I'll never hang on. You know, that's what a 35-year-old will say. I'll come back and revisit. He's 45 or she's 45 now. And then, you know, they're like, well, I don't know. I might go to 60, 62. But the, the older you are, the more likely you are to say, you know, I could hang on past 65 if they wanted me to. And so, um, you know, it's hard for young people to have that empathy. But I try to just say, just stand there for just a second in their shoes. And I do talk about it to young people. I'll say, this is the death of something to these people, you know, and you wouldn't walk up to somebody who, who had a pet who had died or a spouse who was ill and say, you know, I wish that would hurry up. You know what I mean? You wouldn't, you know, you'd say, I'm so sorry. How are you doing? You know? And so uh, just trying to recognize this is the death of something for these people. And I know, like, because I went through the own, my own power struggles with my dad and I as we went through succession. But for me, or I think the reason our succession worked pretty well was because my dad saw me um, as a child as well, which sometimes is good and sometimes is bad. But he was willing to let me um, fall and make some mistakes, which I think is very hard for um, other partners to kind of do because you do have to let that next generation leader make some mistakes because that's how they learn and that's how they become managing partners. So do you have any words of advice to kind of um, help those managing partners watch someone else kind of fall a little bit or how you can coach them through that transition? Well, if you're in the managing partner role and somebody else is going to step into that job, you know, we recommend that what you do is you guide them from behind the scenes. You never disintermediate. Um, If somebody comes to you and says, what do you think, old managing partner, you know, you say, I'm not the person to ask. You need to ask Jody instead. Mm -hmm. If you see Jody, you know, struggling, you don't say so in front of anybody. You talk to Jody and coach her behind the scenes. The best thing anybody can do in transition is to begin giving up the power, the control, the responsibility early. Let that person take on that responsibility and, and sometimes flail a little and then guide and coach and support them. But to do so in a way that isn't, Um, disintermediating to other people's feelings of their authority. And that's really hard. Um, Strong alpha leader who's always been the one that everybody looks to in a meeting. You know, like sometimes certain people can't even go to the partner meeting anymore, even though they're still working there. They have to be excluded. And you have to just say, you can't go because you can't be quiet. Mm, And everyone will look at your face. Everybody's going to look at you, not at the person who's taking this job. So just paying attention to that. Uh, You know, they're, they're kind of almost like, um, individual cues and clues that will get you know guide the person on what role they can play. Wow, <laughs> I know it's like it, it's really interesting because when I hear you say the age, because sixty five seems young to me, but I guess when you're in a firm, you know, and you've wor- been working there for forty years, and there's new leaders coming up, it maybe it's it's time to like go do something different, right? So, 
It depends. That's it. I I was just going to say, I mean, there are 65-year-olds who are like 90, and there are 65-year-olds who are 35, you know, inside, intellectually, and in their change orientation. I think, you know, change readiness is number one. Yeah. If you're going to be somebody who's trying to hold the firm where it is or keep sort of hearkening back to the way it was, then you need to go. Right. And, and I don't actually care how old you are. Yeah, You yeah. could be 43 right. and be, uh, <laughs> you know, trying to stop change, and yeah. you shouldn't be there. So, um, you know, I mean, that's, it's interesting because the age is a number, and, it, and you can't sort of hold hard and fast. That said, mandatory retirement is there, those in, in the operating agreements, just because it, you want to give the firm's leaders the discretion to decide who could stay at sort of the will of the partnership and who should go. Just, yeah. you know, uh, if you don't have that date, you don't have that age, then you're, it's a negotiation for everybody. It's a real challenge. Do you, do you, I think you, you asked us something similar, but do you feel like people are bringing in help to, to have them go through this process? Or is this something they just sort of take on internally and then kind of just sort of wing it and see how it goes? It's a little bit of both. I will tell you that the people who bring us in for help are usually the future leaders. And they're just like, man, we don't know what to do. And, you know, we have uh, we have people who transition really well. Yeah. um, And and they're not the ones who are bringing us in, you know, those firms. Uh, But it's rare. And so you could have, you know, five partners and only one of them, maybe 20 percent or something like that. I don't know what the statistics would really be, but it's a small number that transition really well. And a great transition is where in the last year the person has almost nothing to do. We call it empty death syndrome. Mm. And then everybody sort of resents them. They're like, what are you doing? You do nothing. You add no value. You know, that, that person is a fabulous transitioner. Um, the worst transitioner is the one where they, you know, engage me to come pry their fingers off the door jam. I mean, we can't, you know, we can't get, we, we can't get their, Let go. we can't get their hands off anything, you know, and oh, wow. so, and that's really challenging, but you know, it's again, very individualistic and it's a yeah. little bit about the culture of the firm. It's about the strength of the future leader. Cause yeah. the future leader, you know, I can come in and assert things, but the future leader needs to be assertive too. Right. Right. And I think it's interesting, too, from the perspective of, um, you know, if they don't let go, then the people who are, they feel stifled and then they just say, forget it. I can go start my own firm because it's easier. Um, You know, I don't have all this other stuff. And so and so I think it's a real issue in our profession as a whole that, you know, some of the older leaders don't realize how easy it is to jump ship and maybe start a new firm and what that looks like. Yeah. Well, and it's not just starting a new firm. Um, you know, it's also, I could go to another established firm that has a lot of guys retiring and they don't have succession in place. And, you know, I can snap into that pretty easily too. So there are lots of options. And and that is one of my biggest concerns is that people won't let go fast enough. And those bright people won't have the opportunity that they, they really want. And that's their money too. That's the other thing that I think, um, you know, the older firm members kind of forget is that if they don't have the next leader step up, then where's their retirement going to be? Because there's no That's one it. there to continue to generate money for them. Well, and, and to, to fund their buyout, right? Right. And, and to me, the, you know, the number one and number two reason that people are selling their firms today, and I don't care what size we're talking about, number one is their buy-sell agreement isn't really tenable. Their, their buyout's too sweet or there are too many of them going at once. Um, and those mostly need to be negotiated, uh, renegotiated, not always, but often. And then number two, right behind that is a lack of succession. There, there really isn't any group or individual that's really strong enough to run it without them. And that's why people are transitioning their practices at almost every size. 
Right. And that's why, too, there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions. That's it. <laughs> that's what's driving it. I mean, they're, they're ending up having to transition that practice to someone else, sell it to someone else who can take over those clients and, and who will have the up-and-comers and who can fund at least a portion of the buyout. What's really interesting about the buy-sell piece is that a lot of firms buy-sell needs to be rethought but they won't rethink it. They're unwilling to negotiate with their current people, so they'll sell it and negotiate there. Mm. And then have no power or control about how that transition goes, where they would have a lot more influence if they just renegotiated that buy-sell with the local guys in their firm. Um, But, you know, sometimes we just get a little obstinate and a little short-sighted, and then they end up having to sell the firm. Right. So what would you say is, what's your advice for firms that are going through this? Well, I mean, number one is talk about it. Yeah. Uh, You know, that's the other thing is that it's kind of like a guessing game. When do you think Bob's going? I don't know. I I think he might be a year out. Well, I think Susan's too. You know, they're guessing. So we can't play that game. We have to openly talk about it. We want every single person at the leader table to talk about their retirement date annually in the strategic planning process, regardless of age. You could be 26 years old, and I still want you to think about what's your retirement date. Mm -hmm. And, And not just say it around the table, but we document it. And then when you get within two to three years, we've got to freeze that date. Um, so talking about it, opening up communication, and then also looking at that soft side, the psychological side. And, you know, it's kind of like, um, it's, I, you know, it's strange for me to talk about how I feel at work. Right. And especially a lot of these partners are men. And right. they're, they're not used to saying, I'm scared. You know, that's not, a, that's right. not normal for work talk, you know. <laughs> right. So um, figuring out, and maybe it's an external coach. It could be a third-party psychologist. But getting those folks the opportunity to talk about and process this and grieve, grieve this process and have a way to talk about it. And maybe it's not with their peers. It could be with some outsider. But right. uh, I think that's really critical. There's got to be communication. Do you find that it's more difficult for founders of the firm than, like, say, a partner who's been there for, like, 30 years or whatever? It's hard, but, I mean, it's super hard for everybody. But, yes, the founder, it's their baby, (laughs) you know? And and often founders are what we would call over-functioning leaders. (laughs) So they think about it night and day, you know? Like, I mean, they just constantly, they come in on Monday morning, and they're like, oh, man, we need to do this and that and the other thing. And so it's, uh, it's, like, obsessive. And so, you know, for them, we're just like, and, and often they own a, a big piece of equity. So their buyout is untenable. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're thinking they need to get paid millions and there aren't millions to pay them. And, and so, man, the founder is tough or the founders are very, very hard. Yeah. And are you seeing more of them retire? I mean, because, you know, a lot of baby boomers retiring. By- 10,000 baby boomers are retiring a day in this country. It's amazing. And, uh, you know, and I, I, when people say, what do you do for a living, Jen? You know, like in my personal life, it's hard to explain the CPA thing. And, um, you know, so I just, I just say to them, uh, I specialize in problems and problems are way up. And, yeah. and then they'll say, how come? And I'll say, succession. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It yeah. just is driving all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So, Jen, thank you for being here Gosh. today. What are um, what's next on your agenda? Like, what else is happening for the next couple um, well days? I don't know how long you're here. If you're here another day or two or whatever, what, what else do you want to see at Engage? Well, um, this afternoon I'm going to uh, do a little bit with the Journal of Accountancy. Then I'm going to teach my two sessions from 3:25 to 5:45. Then I think I'll stop in here at the reception, uh, which will be awesome, I'm sure. And then I'm going to go to a dinner. 
Uh, and then I fly out of here tomorrow and head to Memphis to facilitate a discussion of next generation practices to a oh, cool. big group of auditors in uh, in Tennessee on Thursday. So, uh, but you know, I've just thoroughly enjoyed the Engage uh, conference. I mean, it so far it's the quality of speakers has been great, and again, getting to see all my friends, you know, it's awesome. They're all here. Awesome. So we have more great interviews coming up. Thank you so much for being a guest with us today. And we'll see you when we get back. Thanks for inviting me. First Global was founded by CPAs who believe that accounting and tax professionals are uniquely qualified to add value to their existing client relationships by offering comprehensive wealth management services. First Global believes the time is now for one of America's most trusted professions to rise up and show the world the power of true CPA financial planning. When you partner with First Global, you can be more to your clients. Play large by unleashing the power of wealth management and let go of the idea that someone else knows what What's best for your clients? Visit First Global at 1stglobal.com. CCH Access from Walters Kluwer has the power to grow, manage, and protect firms in motion through its integrated modules. These include tax preparation, centralized document management, improving client services, streamlining accounting, and managing your projects and deliverables. Accelerate growth, enhance management, and protect your organization's reputation. Visit cchgroup.com to find out more or register for a demo so we can show you what we do. That's cchgroup.com. Engage your learning. Engage your network. Engage your future. The AICPA Engage 2017 event happens over four days, Monday, June 12th through Thursday, June 15th, at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada. There are six conferences at the event, and you can attend one session, any session, or all sessions. Plus, if you can't make the trip, you can still take advantage of attending the event online. If you're in the accounting profession, this is a can't-miss event. Visit AICPAengage.com to find out more. That's AICPAengage.com.